August 27th, 2000. Bring It On was insanely popular, but its numerous sequels were relegated to -to direct-to-video, presumably for dropping the spirit stick. Richard Hatch was named sole survivor in the CBS show's inaugural season, prompting very funny people on the internet to ask, is this show still on? In evil news, Waluigi joined Wario in Mario Tennis. Princess Wa Peach was left out because Nintendo can't handle a bad bitch. Meanwhile, in Raleigh, North Carolina, Kurt Angle and Triple H faced The Rock and their love for Stephanie McMahon at SummerSlam. Your mom just hung up on me. This is Helena Cellphone. What's up? And welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, joined by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experience this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, with episodes that are actually shorter than the uh, cycle that my new dishwasher has. I think it goes for three hours, which honestly, you can cut, so you can trim some of that fat dishwasher. Um, man with the dishwasher complains about how long it takes. It's uh, very, very, you're alienating the, your other two hosts. That is, that is always my brand. You want to hear my contractor material? I can <laughs> do five minutes, tight five on contractors. Hey, please rate, review us. <laughs> you do? He answers to Nathan. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. It's been a while. Okay. Uh, rate and review us. Maybe. Could you, can you see yourself to doing that? It's summer. I know we're getting lazy, but come on. Along with yeah, bring it on. Take, take five minutes. This week also saw uh, the Wesley Snipes movie, the art of war that I do not remember at all. Also, I only read the book. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. I can't wait for you to tell I us the um, the exact cultural touchstone that they were going for in the opener for this uh, this pay per view. But as well oh, as oh man, yes, sorry, but, go on. But as well as that, in the top ten, we <laughs> saw the Cell, the old astronaut movie Space Cowboys, and Nutty Professor Two: The Clumps. Honestly, honestly, Survivor was the big one. I remember watching that first season of Survivor and uh, being super. Was that is that the one where they talk about snakes? Yeah. Or was that a later one? No, I mean, I think they talk one. about. Oh, oh, you're talking about the uh, the rat and the snake. Yeah. Analogy. Rats and snakes. Yeah, that was shit. I can't. Kelly Wigglesworth was the snake was and it. Richard Hatch was the rat. Also on TV from this time, uh, the premiere of BattleBots and Dora the Explorer. BattleBots, I always remember there being like these amazing like robots with like a giant buzzsaw blade on the top of it named like Killmaster 12,000. But they get be- beaten by like the tiny little thing that was very low to the ground and just had like a lever that would flip it over. Oh, yeah. No, um... I mean, I never actually, I didn't spend a lot of time watching BattleBots, but I have since at every bar uh, where where I'm at, sitting at the bar and it's either like watch, I don't know, soccer or like whatever episode of BattleBots. The flamethrower was always a little excessive considering it's metal. 
Maybe it's trying to burn out the wires. Did you think about that, smart guy? I didn't. <laughs> and then Sorry, the- I'm drinking. I'm drinking a hard seltzer, so I'm 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 hitting it hard today. Oh man, it's uh, for old time's sake, right there. Exactly. Then in music, number one song was "Doesn't Really Matter" by Janet from the aforementioned is how you say that word. Nutty Professor to the Clumps, as well as Rancid self titles, De La Soul's Artificial Intelligence, Mosaic Thump, Shaggy's Hot Shot, Weedus's self titled, Mudvayne's LD50. Those are all things. <laughs> yeah. Weedus was probably uh, the big thing I remember from this, if this was Teenage Dirtbag. Right. And and that and the De La Soul album just instantly transported me back to my freshman year of college. But we'll get to that uh, in our next episode once we... That's when we talk about school in September. Yeah, they did actually... They did like three artificial intelligence. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the one I remember, with... I remember with, listening uh, to some of them and liking them. This is the one with Ooh on it with Red Man, which was... Uh, a, Big in the rotation for the four years I was in college. And then finally, video games, uh, Chrono Cross, which I've never played, but Chrono Trigger is probably my favorite video game ever, full stop. I think I know what that is. It's kind of like um, there's there dinosaurs involved? There is, yeah. Okay, there's uh, time travel. And it was the the first Chrono Trigger. It was um, one of the first games with multiple endings, depending on when you beat the game in the storyline. And it also introduced the uh, the new game plus mode, which you get to replay the game, but you've got all of the um, like equipment and experience points and everything that you've acquired along the way. Huh. Which is kind of how uh, I, I pictured the afterlife. We all get to do it again, but yeah, I, but we got all our shit this time. I, I was gonna say it's like reincarnation. Yeah, uh, except you don't get it. Doesn't like they don't wipe your cartridge. <laughs> you got to blow in it to start. Yeah. Should we talk a little wrestling, guys? Sure. <laughs> well, on yeah, the... I'm excited for to talk about this one actually. Well, before we get to this one, on the Raw lead-up, the WWF headed to both the RNC and the DNC. There was a picture of The Rock with George H.W. Bush, and this was kind of uh, one of Linda's first foray into politics. Well, she's so charismatic. Who, 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 showed, up at the <laughs> <laughs> who showed up at the DNC? Uh, Rock went to both, I think. Oh, wow. That, that's typical, huh? China might have been there, too. And then, as well as that, Kai and Tai went out on the town with the Acolytes, and they ended up at the Friendly Tap, which, if you've been paying attention to what happens wherever the Acolytes go to the Friendly Tap, you know that there was a bar brawl. And now also, we're finally seeing the Acolytes, I think, like have a lot of fun. It's, I like, right. like this phase of the Acolytes. Definitely. Um, having a lot of fun with their, uh, with their gimmick as, as it is. Um, and... Interestingly, so I decided to, um, before this pay-per-view, just look back. And I went on the Wikipedia page for WWF pay-per-views and counted all the pay-per-views that they had from WrestleMania up until we started this project. There's only about 50 pay-per-views. So we've now covered far more content as far as the WWF goes than existed before this. 
now they're they're they've got the two TV shows in primetime every week. They've got Sunday Night Heat, um, and they've they've got the these monthly pay per views. So really, kind of racking up the content here. But this one starts with Crimes of Passion. I love it. I love this. Eric, was I That's right? Crazy. Do you know think... the exact Fellini reference that they were going for here? I don't know if there is an exact Fellini reference. I mean, like, uh, there's, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's eight and a half. Um, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some, like, scholarship on, on this. It just seems like they were just like, oh, let's, like, let's pull a bunch of weird shit. I mean, because they're were, they were also at one point maybe seemed to be, like, an Ingmar Bergman thing going on. So maybe it wasn't, like, maybe they just were like, oh, well, we have Freddie Blassie. Let you know what's that close to Fellini? Let's go with that, and we'll just do some artsy shit from other from you know any movie. I've never seen a single Fellini movie. I am, however, in the middle of my Fast and the Furious rewatch in anticipation of my foray back to the cinemas to see Fast Nine. Well, um, eight and a half. You actually had to watch one and a half, and two and a half, and three and a half. By the time of, of eight and a half, I mean, man, they are adding so many people. And the rocks there. I was su- what were we saying, Bobby? I was, I was surprised. You know, obviously on the podcast, I've referenced many times over something to wrestle with. Another great podcast with Bruce Pritchard, who you know has worked in various roles. And I generally like Bruce and Conrad, who are the hosts. Uh, they have a good rapport. I think they're pretty smart guys. I think they generally are good natured. And uh, but I was surprised to talking about this pay per view that neither of them knew what what the reference was they didn't know understand what a fellini reference was they were like why are they calling freddie blassie freddie fellini what's the what's the joke like, oh, but neither of them knew like and, and uh Pritchard was like i don't know and they were like oh it was like moved on they're like was it like vince's garden like then he like did a joke as like paul Heyman like making it like bullshitting and saying it's actually vince's gardener or whatever but but really both of them were like i don't what what the fuck was this and they were like i don't know like uh, <laughs> like they just like did it they like missed completely uh the reference altogether had had no urge to Google anything or look it up, you know, yeah, well, just do the, any kind of. Well, if you think about it and you don't have the reference already, like you wouldn't even assume that was a reference. You'd be like, well, that's a weird thing they're calling him in this video. And you wouldn't think like, let me Google it in case it's a, you know what I mean? Like, because uh, we know it's a relation to another person. But if you're just watching that, you're like, what a weird thing they did. Because it's, you know, Vince or whatever. Hmm, maybe. I, uh, I guess it, I. it's so hard because, um. I don't think WWF or E has ever stumped me on like an outside of wrestling reference. So I'm trying to think of like what they could say that would be like, yeah, I guess they're just weirdos and they just came up with some shit. I don't know. But again, a very odd way to start out SummerSlam, your summer themed pay-per-view. I loved it. I thought it was so fun. And like, you know, look, um, I'm not a big classical music fan or necessarily into opera i i'm trying to think there was there was definitely a part of of the there was some some like um i I think they may have been doing like handel's messiah or something like that in this but uh i don't know man i was into it i like i liked i like that they were taking taking chances and being weird and i especially liked that it ended with chef boyardee presents (laughs) and then (laughs) The goofiest looking uh, uh, summer um, graphics. It was great. 
Yeah, I had myself thinking uh, that SS logo is so clean before I heard it. And again, in my head, I was like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> well, we know that you are uh, basically on the on the wrestling fan to, pa- to fascist pipeline. Uh, you famously love, uh, what's his face? Cody, uh, Cody the American, what is it? American Cody Nightmares, Rhodes' neck tattoo, uh, is, neck tattoo is good. And no, that's all, no, all the only answer no. to that. Yeah, it, it's good in that Hugo Boss designed uh, the, you know, the Luftwaffen's uh, uniforms kind of way. Yeah, it's great like that. Is that a true fact? Yeah, Hugo Boss definitely designed. That's why That's why the um, the Nazis' outfits were actually very good looking is because they were designed by fucking Hugo Boss. Damn. Cool. All right, well, hopefully the last Nazi reference we'll get to tonight. Not likely. This one starts off with showing us uh, the attack on JR by Taz in the car. Okay. Oh, wait, they showed that? I Maybe I missed the... Wait, they showed, um, they showed that earlier? or Because I know they showed it later, the whole attack. I didn't realize they showed it at this point in the pay-per-view. No. Oh. I just say have Taz attack JR, and I might have done a little bit of uh, gymnastics in my head. Could be wrong. Man, I'm really bad. Oh, yeah, I think they just, re- they just talked about it, and then they <laughs> showed it later. Word. All right. So let's get to the first match where, uh, Eric, you might have a few questions about this, uh, this stable that is, is growing rapidly. Got the well, right my first question center. is about the $1.1 million gate. They, you know, they mentioned that, and I was like, wow, we never get to hear the gate. It is uncommon that they do it, but they do it here. This is the hottest period in wrestling. Like, this is, like, we, this is the thick of, like, at this point, like, the tide had turned, like, WCW's on the decline, and the WWF product is hotter than ever, which is crazy when you think about it, because Austin has been out injured now for months. Yeah, it kind of feels like, uh, like, they're on cruise control at this point. They, they, it's very hard for them to do a bad pay-per-view with the amount of talent that they have and not relying on a, outside of uh, this one and the main event, not relying on too many convoluted storylines and a lot of like more straightforward wrestling. Well, not straightforward wrestling. Cause there's still a lot of gimmick matches, but still they're telling yeah. the story in the ring instead of um, as much in the vignettes. Well, just all the divisions are popping. They have a strong mid card. They have a strong main event scene. They have a strong tag scene. They have they have a, a a building their women's scene now. So like all these different divisions are really starting to take shape. And one faction that is but, taking shape is Right to Censor, which has now added the Good Father. The Godfather lost a match to Bull Buchanan, in which he had to relinquish his hose. And then the following week, we thought that he was going to attack and fight back, but instead he has allied himself with Stephen Richards. The ultimate betrayal to Aaron Benoit in 2000. Who who is Stephen Richards? Stephen Richards, we've seen a bunch of times before, but he's the uh, the head of Right to Censor. He was also had a bit for a little while where he was uh, doing the dressing up as other wrestlers thing. He came over from where, uh, ECW with the Blue Meanie. When did I see Stephen Richards? Like he. We, he showed seen... up in, a, in Edge and Christian matches in one of the pay-per-views we did, for sure. Uh, I don't remember. That sounds, but that sounds about right, that I wouldn't remember him. 
But at the time, the actual parents' television council, the PTC, was in going after the WWF hard, like in real life, because of DX, because of The Godfather, because of Val Venus, um, all the women's stuff. Like they were like really putting it all on blast and like uh, someone please think about the children sort of way. Uh, and so the WWF, A, started reducing that kind of content, but also like thumbed their nose at it with this uh, stable as like a direct thing. PTC, Parent Television Council, I think it was, and then RTC, Right mm-hmm. to Censor. And all of the signs in the audience, including one neckbeard who wrote, don't censor me on a sign. And I have to tell you, buddy, nobody cares about you. Literally nobody at all. I did put my finger over that image, though. I just (laughs) blotted that out. I didn't see it. And he's up against uh, Rikishi and Too Cool, which um, when you talk about heat, I have to say that both of these teams have very good heat. Yeah. Too cool. I just like I guess I forgot how over too cool was because like the Hardys, I mean, Hardys Edge and Christian and the Dudleys sort of like etched themselves in history. But at the same time mm-hmm. I think Too Cool was so over and such like a big part of the tag division with them. It's really funny just from a perspective of like if you know, I don't know, it's kind of like saying oh, I'm trying to think like, uh, if you were to be like, oh, yeah, there was, like, all this amazing prestige television back in the early 2000s, like The Sopranos and uh, and Six Feet Under and uh, Seinfeld, uh, like, Seinfeld, or no, well, I don't know, what's some, or no, and uh, King of Queens, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, like, one of these doesn't fit at all, but, but, uh, but okay. Do they not fit at all? Because they can go. I think they're they're pretty good in the ring. They just have kind of like a goofy gimmick, you know, obviously. But they're not bad, I think, right? No? We, we've covered this before. I think they're fine. I don't think that they're – I don't think that they have like a, a five-star match in them. No, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think that I'm going to hold that against them. Well, I'm just saying when we talk about – you talk about like, oh, my God, the great – you know, the great uh, – um, tag team division and and like the great teams of the tag team division and then you also talk about like who was over from the tag team division that was also great and doing amazing and it's like you have the Dudleys the Hardy Boys Christian and Edge who do have those matches and then Too Cool who will never have that match but like was over and you know what I'm saying it's like it's like um they're over and they're, and they're and they're there's there's nothing to take away from them but like you know it's like a different kind of over right sure but um at the same token if you were to talk to i would say most people who watched at this time everybody would look back on them with fond memories and what they were able to do as far as um introducing rikishi and make making him cool is going to play off in a way um, I'm not going to say it's going to pay off, but uh, it's going to play out in, in an important way going forward. That's fair. I don't know. You know, maybe it's just just seeing what I know, what I see now. I'm like, it's it's a little incongruous to me. I mean, like they're I you know, they're they're good time guys. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're fun to watch. Um, they've got like a funny bit and they're you know, it's just like and yeah, they can go. But, you know, it's like they're like fine. Um, but they're not, you know, I don't, I don't like sit up 
and take notice the way I do with the other three teams we mentioned, like when they're in the ring. And maybe that changes. I don't know. Um, or maybe they're just kind of like one of these like, you know, back wall teams where it's like, if you, you know, if you know, you know, but you know, they may not necessarily, you know, they're, they're for like the, the real wrestling heads who, you know, are want to shine a light on a, you know, maybe a team that doesn't necessarily always enter the conversation. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, I see. It's like how like the replace the replacements like never really had like a giant like hit album, right? Like they have they have cult albums, but like you know there are people who like love them, but I don't know. They never they never were like I don't know. They never hit the the levels of like other bands at that time. Something like that. Yeah, I guess every everything in its place. Bobby, can you remember back? What were your thoughts on? Uh, right to censor back in 2000 um had the right kind of heat like you know i definitely was against it because you know as we've covered for a long time i was a very sex positive child uh and so (laughs) i was like censorship boo we want sex (laughs) (laughs) and this match does get physical um there's that spot where the godfather lands on the hardest part of the ring right on the apron there that uh had me wincing a little bit for him well, the wince I had was for when the Godfather, the Good Father, sorry, started basically attacking the women that came out with Rikishi, and I was like, Ugh, "This is not not fun to watch." There was so much uh, violence on women on in this pay per view in like in this every whole pay per view match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. one of the the uh, the one of the women who took the bump there is actually going to be a potential uh, future Hall of Famer uh, in the women's division. little something to keep an eye on. One of the hoes? Yes. The one who took the Ooh. bump that uh, will be resurfacing as a active competitor in the women's division. A good one. A one of them one. looked really strong. What, there was, was there, there was a blonde and there was another one, the maybe brunette. a brunette. Was it, was it the brunette? The brunette. The brunette. Okay. She, uh, awesome. It is is training at this time, and she will uh, be though. But she's gonna she's a future Hall of Famer. Dope. And then the right to censor gets again even even more heat at the end there, where they interrupt the worm as the audience is is cheering it out, and Eric is picturing a bird in his head. Uh, yeah, I I started listening to the crowd. I'm like, oh, they're spelling out W O R. Yeah, all right. But he was definitely like anamorphing for sure. <laughs> so right to censor goes over, and right to censor is going to start a, a pretty good win streak when it comes to pay per views. That's a spoiler. Oh, um, you'll forget about it. So I, I have a question. I definitely will. I just did. Um, I have a question about about move mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I understand. I, I I do understand why they do it this way. So. In this spot, all of right to censor is piled up on each other in the corner, right? And they do this thing where it's like each person is going to what are the what's that move called? Irish whip. Is it oh so they they get they get Irish whipped like the the um too cool gets Irish whipped into the corner, is that it? Okay. Yep. Uh because I thought I thought it was like he would like I thought maybe like Rikishi was like smacking their ass and then just like they would go running backwards, but maybe he threw them. That's probably right. Anyway, so each person gets Irish whipped. And 
you know, what would happen is he would start with like, I don't know, uh, Grandmaster Sexay or Scotty Too Hottie. I don't know. And each time a person got hit, they would peel off of the corner until Rikishi. Does he, can he Irish whip himself? Is that how that went? Well, I think he was going to do like a running charge at the end. Yeah. Okay. So he does a running charge at the end. So, and then Rikishi would do it and get them. Now, I understand it's the rule of threes, it's heightening, but arguably, I would say more damage would be done if Rikishi was the one to get Irish whipped in the beginning when it's all three of them, so he could do damage to all three, and then you use Sky Tuhati and Grandmaster Sexay as they start peeling off to do, you know, the... the um, the, the follow-on damage. And that, my friend, is the difference between sports and sport entertainment. <laughs> yeah. It's not about efficacy. It's about showmanship and razzmatazz. All right. All right. I, I'm just arguing. I You're think, right. it, like, mean, man, having, having him smush into three guys is cool. But, um, yeah, I get it. And then next in the sports entertainment, we saw that on heat, Kurt Angle arrived and Jonathan Coachman asked, what were you thinking taking advantage of Stephanie on Thursday night? This is followed by Stephanie McMahon in full pleather, including, I think, a pleather suitcase coming in and wondering, what is she going to change into? That seems to be her outfit for the night. Oh, that's the I think the suitcase is for like afterwards. It's her cool down clothes. She has her jammies for... Uh, for in the car, for whoever she's going home with, and Vaseline to get into all the pleather. Right, actually, it's it's all of um, it's all of Triple H's water bottles. <laughs> and then after that, we cut to Shane, who says that I support every decision Stephanie makes, despite every single time that he's stepped in and not supported a decision that Stephanie has made. A hundred percent. He'll be fighting Steve Blackman tonight, but uh, before that, on July 31st, DX fought Blackman and Snow in a uh, hardcore match, which included a bowling ball to Road Dog's balls, and X-Pac loses the kendo stick, and his person outside needs to hand it to him in order to finish off the moveset. Cool. But for this one, we've got Road Dog versus X-Pac. Some good, clean, scientific wrestling, whatever that means. I... This is my first time seeing Xbox forehead. <laughs> um, I don't think I liked it, honestly. I don't think I liked much of this match at all. No, I was very bored. Well, there by was this. the part <laughs> There was the part that they narrated where they're like, Xbox is spitting around on Road Dog's back because that's he's showing him he could keep him on the ground as much as he wants. I'm like, does it is that what that looks like? It looks like Xbox is like like a five-year-old who's having the time of his life. <laughs> Xbox carries that energy a lot. Yeah, like Road Dog is just babysitting him and has given up and is like, go ahead, man. Just fucking, if this will get you tired, just spin. I have no notes for this other than I found the one guy with an Xbox rule sign. <laughs> um, I will say my only note for this is I do not like this match that much. It wasn't it wasn't fun to watch, but uh what I will say is I think the booking is actually not bad. If that's like it's not enjoyable, but I can appreciate 
like sort of what they're going for, which is this idea. Like to me, the the most interesting stuff was the idea of like uh, Jr. and Lawler kept calling it like a friendly rivalry, and they're like, oh, it's a they're just trying to figure out like who's the better wrestler, and it's a friendly rivalry, and like it it, it was a classic like. Um, I don't know what you call that. Is that like dramatic? I don't know if it's dramatic irony, but there's, you know, like that juxtaposition of irony where it's like they're describing something and what's happening that they're describing is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. What it's become. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you can clearly see this is not a friendly rivalry. And like the, the announce, you know, the announced team is not on the same page as the match. And I thought that was, that part in itself was interesting. While I don't necessarily enjoy the participants in it, uh, I was like, oh, that's, you know, I'm okay with that. And, you know, the whole, like, I know, like, I know what you're going to do, even though everybody knows, like, what X-Pac, like, everybody knows that X-Pac does the Bronco bus. So it's like, it's not like Road Dog had any uh, intimate knowledge of his teammate by rolling out of the ring before X-Pac could Bronco bust him, you know, but you know, they were, they were, they were aiming for something and I appreciated the attempt. Well, he definitely had intimate knowledge of his teammate when he started humping him from behind before doing that awkward pump handle slam and that post-match attack. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. This, this was not my favorite match for sure. But then now, apparently, uh, WWF is also doing local spots because we all got to go to Vinny's Steakhouse when in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> I love it. I booked my ticket already. Are we going? Are we doing? Are we, are we getting the TV, the the Porterhouse, and we're we'll split it? I mean, I did look it up, and the the pictures of their food look really really good. Oh man, are they still in business? They are. Good job, Vinny's. Dude, I wonder what they like. I wonder if they do like a Peter Luger type thing where it's like. Oh, yeah, you, you have to get the bacon. The bacon is so thick. And then back to the arena. All Eddie wants is for China to be happy. And China lets him know that one of them is going to get lucky tonight because the two of them are going to be in a match together against Val Venus and Trish Stratus, and whoever gets the pin is the European champion. No, intercontinental champion. Yes. I, I like that they are that they're fully on the same page and not fighting. I always like it when when teams are like when you know couples aren't fighting. Uh, even even in like like sitcoms where I should be rooting for them to fight more because it's funnier. I I just like when everyone's on the same page. But in yeah, real life, when, uh... in real life, there's nothing better than watching a straight couple fight on the train platform. There's literally nothing better. It is literally absolutely, absolutely true. Favorite. That is a hundred percent true. Literally, I saw someone someone not on the train platform at the beach today at the uh, two like the next uh, like like towel station over, uh, fighting, and it was quite a yarn. Quite a, like some. I was like, whoever made Zola, can you like take notes because this deserves to be a film? Um, she was mad at him <laughs> for like going to like a bachelor party in the middle of coronavirus, and there was a stripper with all of his cock-sucking friends. And I was like, do go on. Uh, and then he was <laughs> mad at her because she had been saying that someone cheated on one of her friends, but he found out that that, that person was just texting. And he's like, you've been saying cheating. I thought that he like fucked someone else. And you just like, you've been walking around like just saying that this whole time. And he's just was te- like, and they were just having like a screaming Jersey shore sort of fight. And it was amazing. I was like, I, that's awesome. This. <laughs> 
I now I want to know if the stripper wore a mask while she I, stripped because honestly, that's I have a lot of technically still, yeah. You got to go back. I hear the uh, I hear the evening show is completely different from the afternoon show. <laughs> yeah, it was sleep no more, strip no more. <laughs> yeah, I love their relationship here. I love the little kiss on the hand that he does to China, which actually was my go-to move in high school. I had very milady vibes back in two thousand. <laughs> oh, yeah, Aaron. Yeah, I see that for sure. Aaron, do, Aaron, do do you still have the uh, the what is, is it? Not the bowl. Is it a bowler hat? No, it's a fedora. The, Come on, a, the fedora. Do you still have the fedora? I don't. I, I I actually I didn't go through my fedora phase until like I want to say two thousand nine. Oh, um, makes me sadder. And and then I got a girlfriend, and she quickly got rid of that. Oh, I hope she did it the way that they do it in like. The way that men started fights with other men in the in the old movies, where she just pushed her like she punched her hand through it, and then handed it back to you. Oh, like the the old Straw Hat riots of uh, old New York. Oh, don't you school me on the old Straw Hat riots? Oh, Listen, I know that that uh, Rue Boidel <laughs> missed one of his uh, pitching starts getting into a Straw Hat fight on a train. Speaking of headgear, China's headband looks divine. Yeah, very into the whole look. I love this like era of China, looking great. She looks like she's into crystals. Oh, definitely. But, like, she gets them to work. <laughs> the only thing about China here, the pantyhose that's creeping up above yes. the... Yes. Um, yeah, well, yes. The bottoms... <laughs> Uh, she had she had such problems during the match where she's like clearly trying to refasten her like leather bottom so that her pantyhose would not be the thing that she was you know that was like her only clothing. And great moves out of them that uh, springboard her and Rana looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, I don't know if I've ever brought this up. The name of that move annoys me. That extra N in the middle, Hurricanrana, yeah. where Hurricanrana yeah. just would have sounded so much better. Yep. Agreed. Yep. It's very frustrating. Um, yeah, and honestly, this is one of the first times where I could where I could see Val Venus looking as good as you've described him, Bobby, where you're like, Valvinus can go. I was like, you know what? This match, Valvinus can go. I, well, I, I see it. And they're trying to get him away from the porn star gimmick, change the, the look, cut the hair, change the tights, uh, and like try to treat him a little bit more seriously. He looks so good in those oh, bright Oh, he's white super tights. serious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, he's very serious. serious. Especially tonight is not about that promo. <laughs> like it used to be about centerfolds, dude. It definitely for you. It was about centerfolds at one point. Uh, yeah, no, that promo. He was like, "Listen, I gotta fucking win this fucking thing. You're not gonna fuck me up." Like I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and surprise, surprise, she fucked it up. Sure did. Um, I fucking love that spot though. That spot is so good. Where Trish is running, she's 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 gonna do a clothesline with Val. Val, I think, I don't know, he gets tripped or something, but basically uh, just Trish is doing the clothesline to China, and she fucking 
it, she bounces off China and and hits the ground. The best. I love that spot. Yeah, Trish has great instincts. You can even see that here. Even though she's green as hell, she she still has at least knows how to how to work the facial expressions and and how to uh, to sell a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but just even just just the booking for that for that that spot is really mm-hmm. good. I think it's just a really like. It's a fun, you know, like it's a, it's like even better than a no sell because like it's it's just like it says so much about both of those wrestlers in that move. Most stuff. And we get the three count at the end. Mamacita is the intercontinental champion once again. Val is pissed. And Eddie is having the worst time trying to... <laughs> Fasten that belt on China. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, nothing's gonna stay on China right now. Like her, her belt, her bottom. Nothing is gonna. Everything's hanging on for dear life. Just tuck it in the pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to everybody's favorite site-based entertainment complex, where Michael Cole and Mick Foley are chatting it up. Oh, Radio WWF? <laughs> uh, this is so funny. I love this. They they get they get too cool to dance for the radio. Like <laughs> we used to gesticulate and and like Aaron would just have to be like not a visual medium. They had five different people getting up and doing full routines and they're like, "Yeah, do this." <laughs> like Okay, I, I, I could you imagine the guy who's like sitting, sitting like on the beach with his radio tuned to Radio WWF, just going, okay. Well, those are good moves. I mean, if you've watched any WWF <laughs> in the past, you know exactly which moves Too Cool is doing there. So the theater of the it's mind true. could be active because of that. I was more focused in on the hard hitting questions that Trish Stratus was getting from the fans, like. Are you happy to be in WWF? She's like, send help. I <laughs> I hate it here. Please. They have my kids. But then back in the arena. I mean, oh, did you want to say something else about that? I was just I was gonna say if if I had a chance to to ask a question to Trish Stratus, I would just be like, uh, uh, uh are you happy <laughs> right now? <laughs> To be answering this question. <laughs> and that's why Eric is never asking Trish Stratus anything. Nope. Don't we let will let her. We will let Eric interview Janet, though. <laughs> fucking Janet. I literally wrote fuck off Janet in all caps. <laughs> this fucking woman. Stephanie McMahon is back in the arena talking to Janet, who I guess is supposed to be the hairdresser or the makeup artist or something. Town Probably gossip. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was the debate moderator. But even that, I don't know. But even then, she asks, what? is he a hunk or a hottie? Those are the only two One answers. Or the other. Every well, man is either a hunk in, or a hottie. No, everyone has every two man. wolves inside them. Every, every man has two wolves inside them. A hunk and a hottie. Like, what's the pro and the con on the debate uh, in that locker room? Like, uh, the resolution is that uh, Kurt Angle is a hunk. (laughs) But is that the good answer? 
don't know. Yeah, what distinguishes a hunk from a hottie? Between the two, I think I would rather be a hunk. Okay, you know what it is? I think a hunk is, like, um, genetically beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, someone that just kind of, like, is naturally, physically, uh, aesthetically, visually attractive. Well, I think, like, a hottie has, like, a vibe. You know what I mean? Like, I think so, too. is a hunk. Harry Styles is a hottie. I, I think yeah. I think I'd rather be a hottie. I yeah, think I'd like, rather be a hottie. I want. I, well, when you say it like that, right? of course I want to be a hottie. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I, th- I think that definition works because, like, yeah, a hunk just feels like it's like, well, you know, I don't know, a bunch of cells got together and made that fucking thing. Yeah. And a hottie is like, I don't know why I'm attracted to this thing, but I am. Yeah, I'm. I I would like to be a hottie, but I think I would like to have sex with hunks. Because you mm, feel better interesting, about yourself. right? Because, huh? Because you'd feel better about yourself, or no? I just find that um, I like it when they're not trying so hard, when they don't even realize that's what makes them beautiful or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, you really just want to take oh, the I... glasses off and uh, take off the paint-covered overalls? No, I'm just gonna <laughs> keep them on and be like, "You're hot," and if you, <laughs> you just, I'd rather if you don't see it. That's it's your problem. You yeah, no, I think I think um, I think he doesn't want anybody. He doesn't want anybody who's doing the work to be hottie. Yeah. He just wants somebody who is just like effortlessly hunk. Oh I I would want that. I would want a hunk because I I feel like there's only room in the spotlight for one. And if I'm the hottie, I'm sorry, we can't compete for the you know for who's the most uh, effervescent. Well, so I like you don't know you're know. beautiful, and that what's that's what makes you beautiful is what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> I'm glad we yeah. solved that one. Yeah, that's it. yeah. Guess what, Janet? The fucking we, jury's in. We may never make sense of the standard. attitude era of WWE, but we will make sense of hunks and hotties. Kurt Angle is a hunk. Would be a hunk officially. That's my. That's the final answer. Agreed. Agreed. He's a hunk, not a hottie. He's a sweetie. He's a hunk and a sweetie, He's I think. He's a sweetie. <laughs> and then we got the opposite of a sweetie coming up with uh, verbal savagery from Taz on JR. Uh, so this is the part, I think, where they where uh, we see the, vi- the, the flashback of Taz going to... Lawler's car and JR is sitting in Lawler's car. Do they carpool? Well, Lawler's they rental car. <laughs> do, you, do you think JR calls what's happening as as Lawler's driving? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> and uh, we have uh, somebody is somebody actually is g- getting in front of you in the lane. Did not use his turn signal. Lawler is fighting Taz tonight, um, choosing the one titty hanging out look for his ring gear. <laughs> oh God. Um, I thought this was pretty embarrassing for Taz, honestly. Like, first of all, booking a fight, booking something with like Taz and Lawler where Lawler wins or, or JR, you know, helps Lawler win. It's just kind of like, man, you have, you have really hit the bottom. Like that is, that's you on the fucking heart monitor, my friend. Because I mean, within the match itself, 
Taz does no sell that pile driver, which I mean makes him look strong. But then, yeah, getting uh, getting taken out by JR's candy dish, which wasn't <laughs> his was real glass because JR then cut himself. Did JR cut himself on cut sugar himself. glass? I think he did because that looked like he smashed see, it with a Christmas ornament. See that dainty? I mean, you you cut you technically can cut yourself on sugar glass. It's very hard, but <laughs> I guess you can. It's not. That's the um, point of it. Uh, yeah. I, I I was I wasn't sure if Jr. was cutting, but I'm glad to know that. That he that he actually drew real blood is by the way is this was this taking place in like Lawler's hometown is that why they they kind of like let Lawler beat somebody up no Lawler's a no. Memphis boy um oh, yeah the situation with this is Taz came over he wants to be a uh, you know he kind of did his shtick where he no sold a lot of he like no sold a lot of things and he was like his uh-huh. character doesn't run. He doesn't like do all this stuff. He just kind of suplexes and they were like, this isn't going to work. And like, it's not going to work through like a suplex machine face. We have have to have you learn how to be a heel. And they thought Lawler is respected for his like ring psychology and like telling a story in the ring, like as a like heel. So the the idea of working together is that Lawler might be able to give him a bit of uh, some like pointers on like playing up the classic, like WWF style heel uh, Mm. Uh and put some heat on him with like good guy Jr. Oh, interesting. And I mean, I guess King had to win just so that he could continue the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, that would be do, I guess. <laughs> or or Taz continues the the broadcast, like you know. Honestly, that would have been Who great. Knows? I don't know how much Taz has in the tank, honestly, for a broadcast. Uh, you are wrong, sir, and you will be proven wrong in the future. Oh, baby! Oh, nice. Meanwhile, in this broadcast, we go back to Lillian interviewing Shane about the kiss, and Blackman interrupts that for this match, where they do point out on this one, Bobby, that the 24-7 rule has been suspended in order to make sure that this match between Shane and Blackman happens. I thought it was weird that Blackman was, like, waiting for Shane to enter the ring if falls count anywhere. Yeah, but I feel like they they usually will still start in the ring, right? They wait until Depends. both combatant, combatants are in the ring. I've definitely seen it falls anywhere. They're starting in the aisle, and the bell just ringing because falls anywhere. I think they kind of play mm. it up depending on the convenience in the story. Berg reference that you'll get in a WWF broadcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, there we go. He got a shout out. It was, uh, I guess, this was like uh, peak Conan O'Brien days too. And speaking of peaks, I think the thing that most people will remember from this match is the fact that during the match, after TNA attack, Shane McMahon climbs up the Ovaltron, which, ugh, it just sounds wrong, with Blackman following. Blackman hits him a few times, and Shane falls about 50 feet on there in probably his first of his, the the real Shane McMahon death-defying moves. Because even Blackman goes down a good 10 feet before he's going to dive down after him. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was a good spot. Yeah, it was wild. Both, both spots were pretty good. 
They also said that Shane landed on his kisser, and I'm like, they land. He landed on his face. Um, I I don't know how they. You don't necessarily know how they kiss. <laughs> <laughs> but this was I I remember because again my parents never bought pay per view, so it would be like if I was over a friend's house and their parents happened to buy that I would happen to see it. But I remember um, the following day, just like hearing from friends about this match and hearing about that fall and being like, oh shit, I need to see that. I need to find find that somewhere. So you went on YouTube <laughs> and you... And after this, we get a, a, a shot that shows that King has continued the broadcast shirtless. Which was, must have Love been a real energy. treat to the people sitting behind the, yeah. the announce table. You're welcome, ladies. By the way, just so we we uh, we moved past it just now, but uh, amazing that Black Steve Blackman was part of anything that was like worthwhile to watch. Like, what a weird use of of that man. I mean, I want to say that this match is, no, pun intended, the height of Steve Blackman. Oh, for sure. Like that's the only thing that's going in the in the in the promo reel. They're not going to put all his like black light stick dancing uh, in the Hall of Fame package. <laughs> And at this point, he probably would get in the Hall of Fame. Maybe. As watered down as it is. Stephanie is yelling at the TV backstage. Kurt comes in and is like, nah, it's okay. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him. <laughs> <laughs> he looks fine. But now we've got a match between Benoit and Jericho. Benoit faced The Rock on August 7th for the title on Free-Ass TV that ended with uh, Jericho stopping him from getting the pin. And we get that amazing, I don't know, Photoshop, collage, whatever you want to call it, of Benoit's head on the donkey. Yeah, right. It was like a whole. It was a uh, like a uh, green eggs and ham style mm-hmm. um, poem about what what uh, Jericho, I guess, is going to do to Chris Benoit. Yeah, Benoit and Doctor Seuss, two people that are canceled. And I like the two out of three falls match. For I these like it two, the Jericho match, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, there, I, even you know the shot. The end was kind of shocking to me. You know, like I didn't realize. I was like, "Whoa, oh shit!" Um, and I don't know. They these guys can go, and we've seen them wrestle a few times, and it's and it's been fun. There was the what was it? The top rope Hurricane Rana. I thought mm-hmm. was cool. Um, yeah, I I I don't have a lot of notes from this match because I was just like, oh, this is just a good yeah, I'm match. Just, just watching the match, uh, there was a full Nelson suplex that looked very very cool. Oh, didn't didn't uh, Jericho like bridge out of a pin? Yeah, they did, a and everyone just went, whoa! Yeah, yeah no, that Jericho's was real cool. Jericho's core strength there was astonishing to me. There was a long two count after that. But Benoit gets the pin using the rope for leverage after reversing the cradle and keeping him in the main event picture. Also, always in the main event picture, Triple H is here, shows up then. Um, 
before I, I don't know. This is around the time where the only note I have is I thought it was weird that they do like an earlier tonight signpost for a pay-per-view. Like, I get it if it's a Raw or a SmackDown where you're like, I don't know, maybe these guys are like like tuning in after like some other thing ends. It's very weird for a pay-per-view to be like, hey, uh, 20 minutes ago we showed you this. Back to 20 minutes ago, you know what I mean? No, I think that's a pretty yeah. regular occurrence, Eric. When they're filling all this 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 time and setting up between matches, they'll they'll flash back a lot. Well, I I think if you if you go back to the tape, okay. uh, on a lot of there are a lot of previous pay per views where I go, this has like a raw feel to it, and I think I've pinpointed what the raw feel to it is. It's like it's the signposting that they do, where like. They're like, oh, like back to this thing that that this running thing, this running theme through the story. Like we're we're back to that. We're gonna flash back to this this thing that happened just a little bit earlier. Um, I think that's what makes it feel like a raw to me. And I think we talked last time about how they're doing a lot better with um, having a storyline that kind of lasts throughout the show, or, or sometimes multiple storylines that are lasting throughout the show. And I think yeah, they, yeah. It, there's there's a cohesive. There's a cohesiveness to it, and I think the only that's the only thing that that makes it not feel like a raw to me is that raw always feels like so disjointed. Yeah, well, because raw raw is like um, it's it's trying to set up a lot of things at once. Exactly. But also setting up now one of the, the best things and one of the best things ever in the history of wrestling: tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. This was awesome. This was like you know for the a, like the year of wrestling. This was like the best year that they've ever had. Like I thought the SummerSlam was just sort of meh, uh, but mm-hmm. this match is finally like something that's like this was awesome. Yes, like everyone should, listening should stop listening to this podcast for a second, pause it, and go pull this up and watch it. It's worth it. Yeah, just to let you in on on like the back end or the background of stuff for me, or not the background, I guess behind the scenes. Um, I. I have like I've been starting to try to keep like a running tally so I can remember of like you know like oh you, like what will I you know when when slammies come around like what will I want to list as like some of the better matches cuz I never fucking remember anything <laughs> um and I and like I was like oh yeah like maybe maybe the the Jericho and Benoit like two out of three match at SummerSlam like that's a pretty that, that was a pretty good match um, and then I was like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot because <laughs> this came up and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like if there, this match blows every other match of this pay-per-view out yeah. of the water, like yeah. maybe every, every match of the year out of the water. Yeah. There's yep. one, I think that might have a slight edge for me, but it's only because I know kind of some of the matches that are, that are to come. Um, as far as the, this, and and I'm going to spoil it, there is a trilogy of TLC matches between these teams. Um, and I would just would have liked to see a little bit of more story kind of like from the match itself. The match setup, though, is one of like these most beautiful strokes of genius ever. We've got... Um, We've got the Dudleys, who are the masters of tables. We've got the Hardys, who the latter matches their specialty. And then Edge and Christian have been doing the concerto. So to bring those three together 
like this was just and and just even the name is amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when each of them uses their weapon of choice, they come. (laughs) But I mean, within the first minute of this match, they're already just like hucking chairs at each other from across the ring. The, the chairs were the appetizer. It was the amuse-bouche of the tables, ladders, and chairs match, right? Exactly. It's like the, the natural heightening is like chairs to ladders to tables to ladders. I don't know. Tables and, tables and ladders, I think, uh, do a lot of switching off, and, and they work in tandem. Yeah, the chairs kind of like fall to the side. It's a symphony, though. You know, you've, you've, you've got to have uh, a, a little chair mixed in every now and then in, in order to uh, to create the this uh, this rue that they're they're making here. You got it. You're mixing a lot of metaphors, yeah. my friend. Yeah, like, wait, now we're making a rue. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the the concerto rue. Yeah. I see. In the, the symphony? symphony Rue. Well, it's because it's in New Orleans, so it's one of those. What is it? The second second line. Uh, bon Tomp. Yeah, band. We got the return of the seesaw here, which looks so fucking cool. Did I miss the seesaw? I think I missed the seesaw. They didn't have the camera focused on it too well. I mean, th- this was a match where there were so many things happening that that the camera wasn't always focused in on the height of the action and they would have to go back sometimes. Huh. I'm going to have to, maybe I was taking a note. I don't know. I, mean, I, I had like a, there was an atomic drop of Christian off of the ladder. I thought was cool. When they knocked Bubba Ray to the outside through about eight table, I was like, what the fuck did I just <laughs> see? That was yeah, truly insane. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, I love when uh, Jeff Hardy leapfrogs the ladder onto Edge. Um, I liked when uh, Matt threw Christian onto, onto Edge, who was sandwiched into the ladder. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, man, and when they got the giant ladder? Oh, mm-hmm. the bigger ladder. Man, once ladders get bigger, everything's get, <laughs> everything gets better. The Swanton bomb off of fucking the the big ladder. That shit was crazy. But I don't know about you guys, but for me, the like the spot of the match is Devon and Matt hanging from the titles. I thought that was Jeff. Yeah, it was Jeff. Yeah. But yep. yes. As soon as I Uh-oh. yeah, it was Jeff. Real JR move there, buddy. So JR still doesn't know everybody <laughs> in this match. He's still calling people the wrong name. Uh, but yeah, them hanging by the rope from because you know what? That's something that I've always wondered about. I was like, when, like, oh man, wouldn't it be great if like they were reaching for it and then they just fucking were swinging? And I, they they gave it to me. Thank God they gave it to me. Cause, you got your wish. Oh, thank God! It was so nice. I like that was when I said, "What a match!" I was just like, "This is so cool." Um, couple one other thing. So okay, uh. Lita was safe, right? It looked like the way that they the way that they did that um that bump, it actually looked like she did hit her head, but she didn't, right? No, it didn't look like, I don't think she did, no. Um The other thing I wanna note is so uh uh 
Bobby, when uh, I think you had told me that you that like this the um, uh, there's like conventional wisdom around like writing a TV show that uh, every um, every you know if you give characters for every TV show like a name that begins with a different letter um, that that helps sell the TV show because like it's less confusing right because yeah. you have like each one um, this match had all participants had different letters. I was like, this, this is a sign. Oh yeah. Just, I don't know. Threw that out there. Yeah. B C D E J M. And a little L there at the end. Oh, and L. Oh man. Nobody. Yeah. Everybody was, uh, everybody was, was different. And this match was different. This, what they're able to do now and what they're able to do consistently with these teams is something that, and and there's still so much good left for us to watch with them. Yeah. I mean, this match is one of those matches where I was like, where, where, you know, again, I will not beat this dead horse, but just to, just to touch back to the previous conversation, this is one of those matches where like, you're like, Oh yeah. The great teams of the, of the tag team era, you know, the, this, this era in, ta- in, um, wrestling, it's like the Dudleys, the, the Hardys, like Christian and edge this match. And then, Oh yeah. And also too cool. Sometimes like comes out and the crowd fucking loves them. It's like, man, like they didn't even like that match. Didn't even stand a chance to this match. No, no. nor does, the next match but before we get to that we go back to uh triple h and stephanie mcmahon triple h is looking for an explanation stephanie says that kurt took advantage of me and she gets the orders from triple h to stay away from kurt angle tonight then we've got the cat with al snow versus terry with perry saturn in a stink face match we didn't need this Perry, but but I did need to see Perry Saturn wearing uh, his leather daddy Samuel L. Jackson hat. What the fuck was that shit? At not the end great. of the match, they're talking about enjoying the match, and and Jr. says, "How could they not be enjoying it?" And I said, "So many reasons." <laughs> yep. Yep. At one point, it looked like Terry had a bad heel because, like, she looked like she was a little wobbly on whatever well, she was wearing. they were wearing those crazy boots while doing those deep crotch yeah. scoop slams or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that shit sucked. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can we move on? Yeah, let's not. Yeah. Awesome. Then we go to WWF New York. The Acolytes are hanging out. Drinking on Vince's dime. And I really love that note where it's just like, Vince is a billionaire. We can do this. And just start stealing right. money from the till. Uh, speaking of notes, did you guys see the sign that said Midian's number one fan? I oh, did see that. You know why I did. But, oh, buddy, you don't, You definitely do not have to contest that that claim. You are his only yeah, fan. Yeah, no one is challenging you for that. For that <laughs> yeah. Crown. The one, the only Midian fan. Midian's only fans? Oh, no, no, thank you. No, <laughs> Like and subscribe. <laughs> so the next match is Kane versus The Undertaker, where apparently Kane is like, man, Undertaker, I feel like you're just not in it for the evil anymore. 
Yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening. I forgot, and then I didn't understand what was happening on the screen, and then I, I don't understand anything, and I also was not particularly interested. No, it was not a good match. And, like, there there was, like, the Haas, um, Haas fight aspect to it that was a little bit of fun. But, I mean, we're talking about these two guys in their peak physical ability. Like, these two guys, like, conditioning-wise, are, are at their best right now. So I would have really liked to see, I don't know, like, an athletic match between the two of them. Yeah. Same. Um. So I'm going to offer I, – I agree it wasn't really a fun match, and I was doing a lot of other things during it. Um, but I am going to posit to you um, a like a – a reading that I, that I am interested in. So like, you know, I think this happens a lot with wrestling where it's like, you can, you can think about the, uh, you can think about it abstractly and find that interesting, but then sometimes the execution just fucking sucks or is not that, not that good. Um, what I think about this match is to me, this was like a WWE, way of paving the road for um uh, uh what's his face um Rey Mysterio Jr. Okay. And here's why. I think this match is like an americanized version of a luchador match. Like the 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 main conceit of like Oh, um, he, you know, uh, the match is going to be over when Undertaker uh, rips off Kane's mask. And then they're doing all of this thing to like, they're doing all the work in, in the announce, you know, announce table to explain that, uh, you know, the, the ultimate way to um, embarrass or, 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 I don't know, shame Kane is to reveal his face. That's like that's just like luchador grafted into this storyline, right? Uh yeah, it's got it, it's got hints of that for sure. Um I was a little more distracted by the fact that they're still selling him as a burn victim and then we get a clear shot of Kane which I'm sure they all love that uh Vince really loved that wasn't uh at all screaming at the truck like cut away cut away cut away of him completely unmasked oh, his clear as day. Yeah. Yeah, also his his arm that's supposed to be burned being fine that's and that's his ring gear now. Um also I like that Kane says I'm a monster. <laughs> Like, like in the in the package, like, why are you doing this? I'm a monster. And yeah, I uh, I I actually do like that, and I wish that they played that up a little bit more. Like that's something going back to even when he was feuding with uh, with X Pac. That I wish that they would would just kind of lean have leaned more into like this unstoppable like murder machine here. This match wasn't it though. No, this was bad. no. I think I had a question of whether or not this went as planned. I think probably because uh, it did look like Kane's mask came off really quickly at one point and Kane's face was exposed. So I was like, uh, what's going on here? But yeah, probably just um, bad editing in the yeah. production booth. I don't. Do you remember, Bobby, when it is that they finally expose Kane's face? I don't, because it was definitely when I was not watching. So it's, it's, yeah. it's still a bit ahead. A little ways away. 
All right. I will say this is his real hair right now. We're still on <laughs> on real hair can. Backstage, everyone is on their Nokia track phones that they had to pay for 30 minutes in advance. <laughs> it's a little weird that that Steph is like uh basically like lying to uh Triple H about getting a call from Kurt Angle, right? Yeah, I mean, they're the amount of doubt that they're putting on her in this story isn't equivalent to what they've earned like with the on-screen stuff. Mhm. But yeah, I think they just want to have it always. But then talk about um coming out the gate hot. Triple H and Kurt Angle are just like murdering each other to the point that Rock hasn't even come out yet at the start of the main event. Well, before that we get Kurt Angle doing his like uh I I always have a special thing in my heart for like the the cheap heat of like the apology non-apology where it's like, I'm sorry. I didn't do this sooner. I'm real sorry. Like Mm. it's just such a fucking like dick move. Also, he says he's a given. Did you guys catch that? That whole thing? No. What did he say? He said, uh, he goes, I'm what you people call a given. I give, and he's like, I give, I gave my all for my country and the Olympics. I gave to to uh, Steph when she was in need, and blah blah blah. He talks about all the times he's give he's uh, given of himself to people. I'm like, I think what it's, I think what you mean is the word giver. You're a giver, right? Or like yeah. the giving tree is, I will accept. But but like that is not what a given is. <laughs> it was really weird. How embarrassing was it when that table just fell apart on them? Well, embarrassing. And also, Kurt Angle gets legitimately concussed there. Like, this was oh, not Okay, I was wondering plan. about that. Yeah, he got legitimately concussed. And he doesn't remember anything else from that point forward in the evening. Oh, fuck. So when they, they bring him in the back to see if he can finish out the match, figuring, like, worst case scenario, it'll be a Triple H rock one-on-one. But he goes, he goes in the back. He says he can do it, even though, like, he cannot remember this now. They're like, okay. He goes up there and he looks at Steph and he's like, what do I do? And she's like, when Rock covers him, pull him off. Uh, they're just like, no, get in the ring. Now throw him in the steps. And so her and Triple H had to repeatedly uh, like walk him through the match step by step, move by move. He had no idea what he was doing whatsoever. So the two of them were the whole time being like, now pick him up. Now throw him over there. Now lay down. Oh, God. <laughs> in the main event of SummerSlam. And so and he said, like, so Kurt Angle in his book says he's like, there's no one better than Triple H to work with. Like he... You'll see, like, when he did the, the sledgehammer, he put his hand mm-hmm. on, on Kurt Angle's head so he got the cue to move so he would hit the rock. Like, mm. all stuff like that, or the rock and him or whatever, like, helped, like, make sure that everyone knew what was going on and kept Kurt Angle safe because he, like, literally didn't know what he was doing. Oh, man. Oh, I want to rewatch Triple that. H. Yeah, Triple H. I mean, I, I didn't catch all of that stuff, but um, I could I could tell around the time, like, right after that, that table fell, I could tell that... Triple H seemed to be like calling that match because you could see he was checking on Kurt. Like he was, he, he was like talking to him and then he like rolls him over and then he does the, you know, basically to buy Kurt time, he goes and he's like, let me get the sledgehammer. 
And I feel like they probably like sent the rock out earlier than intended. Um, but like all of that to buy time for Kurt. And then what, what I don't quite understand is at some point, I guess at some point he must've like, when he was taunting Kurt from the ring, he must've been checking with them to see if Kurt was okay. Because I would have been like, I was very surprised actually. And I thought maybe it was a work when, um, when, when, uh, Triple H like stopped them from taking him in, in the back and was like, like messing with, with Kurt Angle's head. I know he wasn't probably doing anything terrible, but like he must have checked in to be like, is he okay for like something? And then kind of did, you know, just to make sure that he could sell that he was still angry. Man, I really, I'm, I'm much more impressed with this main event because, because this main event is solid. Yeah. And much more impressed now knowing all of that that's going on. Yeah, everyone really plays their part well in the end, and I think it's just like it has a good energy from the very beginning, and I liked this match. I, I thought this was a good main event. Not, a, not an all-time classic, not a drop-everything-go-watch-it-for-history reasons, but it was a good main event. I think it delivered. It was good, yeah. Um, I had a question. So you say that, that uh, Kurt didn't really know what he was doing. Is that why um, at one point, uh, let's see, Kurt had Rock... I think Kurt had the rock pinned. Is that right? Or maybe the rock had Kurt pinned. Somebody had somebody pinned and the ref like reached in and like, and like moved somebody's arm. Do you remember that? No, no. I don't. Sometimes they he just, like sometimes, pulled. He, sometimes they just like rub underneath the shoulders to see if they're making, if they're like allegedly to see if they're like making it the shoulders down, if they can like slide their hand underneath it. Maybe that's what they mm-hmm. were doing. He like he pulled at Kurt's arm when Rock when Rock had him pinned, but I'm not sure. It was like, I I I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Maybe it was just a normal thing. And the pay per view ends with Kurt carrying Stephanie away, concussion and all. Yeah, he took her all the way back to uh, Chicago. Had no fucking idea. Just carried her the whole way. All right, guys, anyone else have anything else they want to say about this one? Nah, oh, this was a solid pay-per-view, not great. A uh, little disappointing, actually, most of it, but, the, you know, obviously the TLC match is, is absolutely a must-see, and the main event was pretty good. And the Jericho-Benoit match was solid, uh, but that could have been on TV. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited to get my rock sunglasses in six to eight uh, weeks. Uh, <laughs> oh. I've already sent in my cable bill with all of my billing information. Did you remember to include your mom's maiden name and the last four digits of your social? <laughs> right. I also said the make and model of my first car, just in case <laughs> they needed to know. <coughs> a little bit more business left to go. First off, for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Uh, I, okay. I'll, oh, do you want to go that. first? I'll go. Here you go. Here you go. Okay. Okay. I'll go first. Um, I'm going to give the, uh, this also could have just been an SNL sketch award to um, Taz for thug life bread. At one point, you know, I guess his, his, his phrase is like thug life born, thug life bread, thug (laughs) life till I, till I'm dead or whatever. And I was like, thug life bread. 
Are you tired of your weak-ass, soft-ass sandwiches? Try Thug Life Bread. Every loaf is made with our special recipe. Blood in, blood out. <laughs> I've got the uh, Who's House Award for the sign at WWF New York that said, Bring back Todd Pettengill, presumably oh. by Todd Pettengill. I just did totally anybody watch? Um, did anyone watch NXT in your house? No. Uh, no. Todd Pettengill made an appearance there, and have you guys ever microwaved a peep? Yes, yeah. it gets huge. Yeah, it just kind of gets a little bit bigger and a few more cracks in there. That's Todd Pettengill these days. Aw. Um, I'm going to look him up now. I had a good slammy, and then I totally... When I tell you, it's, like, absolutely so gone from my memory. It's it's wild. Uh, so I'll go on my runner-up, uh, which is I'm going to give the... If you can't hump your friends uh, to the road dog, first pump handle slam, which is what I had originally. <laughs> oh, no, I remembered it. I remembered it. I remembered it. I, oh, God, it's good. Thank God. Okay. I want to give the Ugatu Slammy Award, as in the watcher on the moon from Marvel Universe who can watch but can't get involved or stop anything, to JR mm-hmm. for sitting in Jerry Lawler's car while Taz spit all that graffiti on it, presumably, and not doing anything and just <laughs> sitting there in the car, looking around, nothing, not stopping him or doing anything, just chilling out while Taz just graffitied the whole car, and I think that's a commitment to the bit. JR just said, no, well, Lawler said, wait here, I'll, I'll be right back. And, t- and JR's like, I just got to wait here. Yeah. Ultimate nullifier would be a great name for a finishing move. Ooh. It's true. It, it gets you disqualified from the match. <laughs> and existence. All right, guys, well, we come to the end of another one, but this one is a little bit different. Um, I'm going to throw things over to Bobby. Uh, yeah, this is my last episode with the crew. Uh, it has been so much fun to work on this and go back and watch all this crazy wrestling and have all these insane jokes and spend all of these hours <laughs> watching and talking about wrestling. Uh, I haven't lost my smile, just like... Uh, ready uh, to embrace post-pandemic and this has been so much fun and I'm going to keep listening and uh, keep following along on the journey in like a nice digest, a pre-digested version for me, which I'm looking forward to. I can't believe you're getting out before Diaper Baby Midian shows up, but <laughs> you know, listen, somewhat, you know, you can't, nobody can hang on that long. That's what they say, you gotta leave a party before Diaper Midian shows up. That's, that's you know, that's <laughs> a famous piece of advice. And don't forget. Yeah, but uh, and, don't, and don't forget, you can read Bobby's book and see his monthly show at Pete's Candy Store here in New York City. Both of them named Queendom. Bobby, we wish you all the best. Thanks, guys. You too. I'll still be yes. listening. Be excited to see um, the reaction when Diaper Midian arrives. <laughs> and look, it's it's wrestling, so no one's ever really gone, right? True. Except for uh, Ultimate Warrior. That guy's dead. So is Paul Bearer, but they still gave him a hologram. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going to be a little while for you guys also. We're taking a little bit of a summer break ourselves. We'll be back at some point in the fall, but in the meantime, we are getting in the lab, trying to figure out exactly what our new format is going to be. We've got some fun ideas that we are very excited to test out and see what works. 
In the meantime, we'll be posting some old episodes that you can go back and enjoy. And still, hit us up on all the social medias. I'll definitely be on there watching uh, the next few pay-per-views. So please hit us up. But as we'll be always, replying from the beach. <laughs> but as always, love us, disagree, want to make us dangle 20 feet high above the ring, let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at SlowPass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again soon. Bobby uh-huh. is Bobby is leaving his hat and his gloves in the ring. The smoke is coming from beyond. He's walking up the ramp. One arm oh, that, raised high. He's got that rolling air. suitcase with him. Oh, no. We'll see you we'll see you at the hotel lobby <laughs> where, where we all stay after. <laughs>